It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Go Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, go over there, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now, here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most Way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Here we go, taking you home. It's a hump day, but it seems to be a bit early in this work week. But hey, we'll call it a hump day edition anyway of the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy. We've got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Questions, comments, or suggestions, anything that's on your sports brain today, we would love to know about it. Just text us at 46862. Big show on the way. Uh, one of the most packed show planners that I have had in my, what is it? It's, you know, it's almost, Adam, it's almost, we're just a couple of weeks away from celebrating our eighth anniversary of this show. Uh, and being on a day-to-day contract, we won't count it until we get there. But, <laughs> uh, but we have uh, just about gotten to eight years uh, and still, management does not realize we sneak in this studio in the back corner of the building every day at four o'clock. They don't even realize. No, no, it's they crazy. They think it's Gottlieb. They they have no idea. Uh, but no, it seriously, it uh, it's been eight years. But I've got the packed planner today. You it, did. You filled it out. Filled it up. Uh, of course, uh, coming up on the show, we've got to talk Colts football, Pacers basketball, college basketball, Indiana tonight. Purdue, we saw last night. Uh, also, coming up on the show, we've got a couple of great guests. Scott Agnes for the Fieldhouse Files. Talk about the hot pacers. And Tyrese Halliburton. Should we be hearing his name mentioned more frequently in MVP talks? What does he have to do to get into that discussion? Also, Matt Taylor joins us. Hour number two, the voice of the Colts. We're going to question him on his sanity, and we're going to uh, talk to him about the game this week. And, of course, when I say sanity, it's because Derek Decker, who, who spends some time, of course, you listened to him on Tincast broadcast all last summer, and he spends some time down the hall doing news, but he spends like 29 of every 30 minutes he's not on the air doing news. He spends down here talking sports with us because, you know. Like, we're, we're the place to be. Like us, you know, when you have a passion for sports, you want to talk sports. And so, uh, you know, sometimes he balances his life by getting away from the news end of the hallway and coming down here to the sports end of the hallway. And we just found out that he's going to be in the Colts radio booth this Sunday or this Saturday with uh, Matt Taylor. Yeah, he won't be on the call or anything. No, he's going to be in the booth. Just in the booth. In the booth, yeah. Don't want to get the wrong idea out there on the... No, he's not joining. He's just uh, just hanging out with MT. Hanging out. That's a good May, way to put it. May Tay is going to invite DD down to hang out. And he picked a good game to go. Oh, man. It's high stakes. It's win and move on. Win and you're in for the Colts coming up against the Houston Texans on Saturday night. Of course, uh, that game we mentioned yesterday. And, of course, it was announced by the NFL the day prior 
that the Colts game against the Texans is going to be the Saturday night primetime feature on ESPN and ABC. And Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are going to be on the call. So it's uh, it's a national spotlight for the Indianapolis Colts with all the biggest stakes involved. It's it's basically a playoff game. Basically. Because for both teams, they need to win to get in. And then it there could be a win might actually get you a divisional championship. So, you know, there's a lot at stake because Jacksonville then is going to play the next day. And uh, the Colts could put a little pressure on them, get a victory on Saturday night at home, and then sit back and hope that the Jacksonville Jaguars fall to the Titans. You know, the Titans will be out there playing for Mike Vrabel's job. There's a lot of rumors circulating out of Tennessee that Mike Vrabel might be on the hot seat. And uh, and so does Tennessee want to save their coach's job, make a statement? Who knows? Uh, you never know what the motivation is for NFL players in that final game. I don't think any team wants to go into the offseason off a loss or off a losing streak. No, and and they're professionals. They have a little bit of pride on the line, too. I think they want to have a win on the record. And Jacksonville's been struggling. They have. Uh, like we said yesterday, who's our pick as a favorite in the AFC? And then we couldn't decide, really. I mean, do we believe in the Ravens? Uh, I think they're legit. I think they've got to be considered the favorite just because of their performance. But yet, I think the Colts beat the Ravens. They can't yeah. be that good. Yeah. But they have beaten some of the best teams in the NFL, so they've earned the spot as the number one seed in the AFC. But, you know, we, do we really trust Miami, uh, Buffalo? We've seen some highs and lows out of Josh Allen. And uh, not sure what you get out of Buffalo, although... You know, I think from a roster standpoint, Buffalo might be the best roster in the AFC. But um, we've we've seen some bad Buffalo this year. And like I said before, the season started. You know, Josh Allen, there's something with Josh Allen. He Whether it's uh, psychological, whether it's physical, uh, he just doesn't seem to be the same player. Now, over the last few weeks, he's become that player that he was a couple of seasons ago. But last year, we saw, saw, saw a little bit of a decline in Josh Allen. And then early this season, he didn't play that well. Uh, Buffalo struggled as a result. Uh, I don't know about the Chiefs. No. Uh, they've got the swift effect going on in Kansas City. <laughs> Uh, and and so it's kind of like, who do we believe in for the AFC? It's really wide. I mean, that's what I, I joked yesterday, but I don't know if it's really a joke. I said, you know, a team like Houston could come in and, you know, if they pull the upset of the Colts and get confidence of winning on the road, who knows how far they could go? Uh, it's it's to me, it's very wide open. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Speaking of the NFL, man, they have got to do something about the officiating problem because it has been a major topic of discussion on social media this year. Fans seem to be fed up with the officials. There's been a lot of bad calls, but the ones that really stand out are calls late in games that are changing the outcome or have a major impact on the outcome of who wins and who loses. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. And for the NFL, they have the power right now. They are the big money sports entity. They have captured the greatest percent of market share in America. They're the number one sport, not only here in this country, but they've kind of taken over the world. And 
And yet to have officials that make some of the blatant mistakes, especially at the most important parts of the game, it's almost inexcusable. The average fan right now does not have a lot of confidence in the officiating in the NFL. They've lost it. Uh, you know, and when you start to hear fans question the motivation of officials, are they trying to uh, fix games? Are they trying to, uh, you know, pull a Tim Donahue or, or something where, you know, they're trying to play the line? Uh, that's when the NFL really has a problem, and it's gotten to the point where that's what you're starting to see because of what we had happen last week. Now, a lot of a lot of America never had a chance to see the end of the Cleveland Browns-Indianapolis Colts game, or we probably would have had this discussion weeks ago because there were a couple of really, really questionable calls, and I even will say a bad call to end the game on a pass interference that uh, basically assured the Browns of, of getting the victory over the Colts. And so... Uh, you know, then you have Brad Allen with a mistake on number 70s eligible when 68 was the one who reported uh, that the fans right now have kind of lost hope with some of the officials. And uh, and the NFL has to hold these officials accountable. They have to. They have to publicly hold them accountable. Now, they you know, they come out and they say the officiating crew that worked the Dallas Detroit game is not going to be assigned in the playoffs. Now, here's what we don't know, Adam. Is it a punishment or did they were they in line to be an official in the playoffs? Maybe maybe that crew was not scoring high enough to even get a playoff game. And and so we don't know if that's really a punishment or if it's a public front to make it look like the NFL's addressing the situation that happened in the Detroit Dallas game, but uh, because there's not a lot of transparency. And uh, and then this happens. One of the biggest games this weekend is going to take place with Pittsburgh playing Baltimore. Playoff positioning in st- at stake for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've still got a chance to get in. They're going to need some help. But Baltimore is not going to play Lamar Jackson. And so Pittsburgh now has a real opportunity to knock off the Baltimore Ravens. And who's going to be the referee in this game? None other than Brad Allen, the referee for the Detroit-Dallas game. So one of the biggest games of the weekend, and you're going to have the official that just on a national stage completely messed up the possibility for Detroit to get home field throughout the playoffs. Unbelievable. Uh you know, one of the things I think that hurts the NFL is they've got to be more consistent in how and when calls are made. We're seeing things like downfield with uh, receiver, defender, with a lot of, uh, you know, the hand jive stuff going on, a little push and shove by both sides, a little clutch and grab. And uh, we don't know how that's going to get called. It's totally subjective to every official on how those calls are being interpreted. And then the big thing is, are they called differently when the game is on the line in the last two minutes? Here's what I think the NFL needs to do is they need to wait calls made in the last two minutes by their officials so that only the officials that can handle the stress, the pressure of a close game, maybe a one possession game in the final two minutes, Only those officials are the ones that get the highest scores. 
In other words, you can't have one official making a mistake in the first quarter and another official making a mistake that could actually determine the outcome of the game in the final two minutes. And I know I have said before, you've heard me say it, that officiating should be consistent, and that's fine. But there are certain officials that can choke under pressure, just like certain players are better under pressure. You know, Tom Brady gets the ball in the final minute, needing to get his team in a field goal position. What do you do? You almost count that as a uh, as a win for Tom Brady, and whether it was the Patriots or the Buccaneers, because he is a guy that consistently has shown us he can perform under pressure when the game's on the line. And that's what you have to see from the officials. You have to find the ones that can't don't make mistakes or use poor judgment in when they throw a flag or don't throw a flag because the game is in the balance. And uh, and I think they should wait those those calls. They should, you know, if somebody misses one in the last two minutes, that should be scored lower than somebody who misses a call late first quarter. Yeah, that was just a really upsetting way for the uh, Detroit Lions to lose last week. And uh, you just really hope that something like that can be avoided again in the future. And, and I don't want to get into this full-time, part-time discussion because I don't think that has anything to do with it. Because I think if you train officials, it doesn't matter if they jump on a plane on Friday. Because guess what? Even if they're full-time, you know what they're going to do? They're going to jump on a plane on Friday. I mean, you already have video sessions and you have meetings with supervisors. Those are all worked out, even for the officials that are part-time. They still have to go through that as part of their part-time employment. They have Saturday meetings. They have Sunday morning meetings. Uh, so there's there's plenty of interaction and there's training seminars, weekends and weeks that they get together and go through training with maybe some of the new rules. And uh, and so I don't I'm not going to buy that full time officials that if the NFL makes them all full time, that solves the problem. All of a sudden, all these guys are going to be geniuses come, uh, you know, 60 minutes of football on a on a Sunday afternoon. I, I'm not buying that. I don't think it matters. If they're full-time or part-time, who cares? That's not the issue. Um, but uh, but now that they do have millions and maybe even billions of dollars, I, mean, I don't know how much money is bet on a typical NFL Sunday, but I would bet during the playoffs it goes up significantly. So all this extra money now hinges it's not just the players trying to win championships it's millions and millions of fans trying to win bets and they're relying on officials that have proven that at times they can be somewhat incompetent and they can let teams down they can let fans down they can let sports books down 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Let's go ahead and take a look around the world. What's happening today in the world of sports is today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. All right. Thank you, Brett. According to friend of the show, James Boyd, Colt center Ryan Kelly was seen with a boot on his foot today at practice. Not a good sign for the health of the Colt center long term. Uh, Ryan Kelly was one of only two did not practices today for the Colts. It was him and Chris Lamons who is dealing with an ankle. But overall, a pretty healthy injury report today. Ravens coach John Harbaugh announced about half an hour ago that potential MVP quarterback Lamar Jackson won't play on Saturday versus the Steelers. You mentioned that, Brett. Tyler Huntley will start and Josh Johnson is the backup. Lamar Jackson's regular season is over. It's on to the playoffs for him and the Ravens. And you got to assume that he is not the 
only one that's going to get some extra rest. Right. You know, so it's kind of a sign that Baltimore, they may play some guys a quarter or so, but chances are Pittsburgh's going to be going up against um, an opt-out looking Baltimore Ravens squad. It's going to be like a college bowl game. It's going to be like Florida State. Have maybe. <laughs> maybe. The Condors of the AHL have assigned defenseman Xavier Bernard and forward Ethan DeJong, DeJong back to the Fort Wayne Comets. And after suffering a stinger in the fourth quarter on Sunday, Bills quarterback Josh Allen said that he's, quote, good to go ahead of the team's game at the Miami Dolphins and that he is not affected, quote, at all by the injury. Those are your top stories today, Brett. That was very clever, Adam. I've got to give you credit for pronouncing that name twice so you would get it right. It's got to be one or the De other. Jong or De Jong. And I'll just go <laughs> ahead and say it both ways. That way, nobody can say that I didn't get it right. Cover all your bases. They can say I got it wrong, but they can't say I didn't get it right. <laughs> there you go. Today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. This is Lara Overton from the Indianapolis Colts. You're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 Defend and 100.9 FM. Ned Taylor is going to join us next hour from the Indianapolis Colts Radio Network. He'll be joining us around 520. Scott Agnes coming up in about 15 minutes or so. We just had a texture at the Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Brought up a good point for Mike Brable. I don't want to make it sound like he's being fired. Uh, the story coming out of Nashville is that Mike Brable may actually want out and try to negotiate a release out of Tennessee. And the rumors are flying that that release would be uh, based on his desire to go to New England to become the next Patriots head coach. Are we? Do we know for a fact that Belichick is not returning? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's ever been actually confirmed, but I don't know that it's been denied. It. it I don't really know where that's at. I don't want to say anything that's incorrect or factually not accurate. Um. Not that I haven't made that mistake before, uh, but but seriously, we, I mean, I just know that there's so many reports out there that Belichick's not going to be returning. Uh, we had reports a couple of weeks ago that he'd been told a couple of weeks prior that uh, that he was not coming back. So we don't know what what the status is, but it does look like it could be a domino effect that if Belichick ends up out of New England, Vrabel may want that job and may work to get out of Tennessee. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Look at this. Coming up on Saturday, huge game for the Mastodons out at the Memorial Coliseum. And we've got a chance for you to go and enjoy our suite. Yeah, that's right. If you've never been in one of the suites at the Coliseum, this could be your chance because we've got four suite tickets. And I'm not saying S-W-E-E-T sweet, although they are <laughs> tasty, my friend. But they are sweet, S-U-I. TE tickets. We've got four of them for this Saturday afternoon's game. It's a one o'clock tip off at the Memorial Coliseum, a Horizon League conference game. Wright State has won two of the last six Horizon League tournaments. They've appeared in the NCAA tournament. They are coached by former South Dakota State coach Scott Nagy. And in fact, Wright State was the preseason pick to finish third in the Horizon League. Uh, Wright State, the top scoring team 
in the horizon. Like this might be one of those games could end up being 95-91. Yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Both these teams like to put up points. Now the Dons have been pretty good defensively, but Wright State is loaded with offensive talent. So uh, it could be a fun game to be at. And we've got four tickets that you could win today from the Sports Rush. And uh, all you have to do is text us. It's the Wright State Raiders. And so uh, we're trying to, you know, here in Indiana, knock off Raiders back-to-back weeks. <laughs> so uh, all you have to do is text the keyword today, Raiders, to 46862. Hey, you want to know a fun fact? Both teams are actually scoring 83.5 points per game. And Well, and during Horizon League-only games, yes. Wright State is the top-scoring team. I think they're at about 87 points yes, per game. Yes, in Horizon League-only, it's Wright State. But on the season, they both score the exact same amount of points per game. <laughs> so uh, we might have a tie. I don't think that'll happen. But <laughs> and Do you remember that triple overtime thriller? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Were you working the board that night when we had the Cleveland State game? Yeah, when the center hit the crazy bank three. Uh, well, it wasn't the center. It was Damian Sean Kui. The 5'8 guard hit the, uh, well. I'm thinking first, of the one where they lost against oh, Cleveland oh, State. No, I'm talking, no, I'm talking about uh, the game at the Coliseum that ultimately led to the Mastodons winning the Horizon League mm-hmm. and sharing a title with Cleveland State. Uh, they had to win the head-to-head matchup. That one I do remember, too. And they, uh, Coach Kaufman had uh, called a timeout that he didn't have and ended up being a technical. And then the guy misses uh, a free throw that leaves the door open and keeps it a one-possession game. It's a three-point contest. And uh, Damian Sean Kui gets it baseline at the other end and shoots a half-court shot to tie it, send it into overtime. It ends up going three overtimes. And the Dons finally won the game. That was a crazy one. The one I was thinking of, I think it was the Horizon League tournament against Cleveland State. And the center hit a crazy bang three at the end for them to win. Oh, that yeah. That was was during, I think, the COVID year. Mm -hmm. I do believe so. Yeah, the the big guy who wasn't even their starting center. He was a backup. Mm -hmm. And they inbounded it to him because they thought he was going to make the catch at the three-point line and then do a handoff to a guy going by. He was never able to get the guy on the handoff. The Dons defended that. And so he had to turn and just fire a wild three and made it. That was a heartbreaker. Oh, that was a heartbreaker. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. But, you know, you look at the Mastodons. Uh, by the way, um, the Dons 13-2, and two, mm-hmm. trying to improve to 14-2, and two, which would be a program best start. 5-0. Uh, and oh, would be the league record if they can get the win over Wright State. Right now at 4-0, they're the only team in the Horizon League that doesn't have a loss this far into the conference season. Um, and so uh, it should be a fun one. Yeah, and if you want a chance to go see them from our suite, be sure to text Raiders to 46862. Raiders. The Raiders. <laughs> uh, yeah, text it to us and you can win this. Uh, we'll give them away before the end of the show, but we've got four prime tickets to the suite coming up Saturday, 1 o'clock at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. So big one, as we mentioned, Colts Houston. Uh, out to decide the playoff fate. And and basically, this is a playoff game. There, There's no doubt about it because you've got two teams. It's not just one team trying to get into the playoffs. This is two teams, and they win their end. So, um, you know, for the Colts, they get in with a win. They're out with a loss. 
there is no higher stakes than what uh, the Colts and the Texans face when they will match up Saturday night at about 8.15 at Lucas Oil Stadium. And we, of course, have the broadcast pregame at 7.30. And uh, join us for all the coverage with Matt Taylor, who will be a guest on our show coming up in hour number two. But, uh, yeah, pretty exciting. And for the Colts, I think one of the keys is they're going to have to disrupt C.J. Stroud. They're going to have to somehow create some type of pressure. Oh, if they just let him sling it into the secondary, it's going to be bad. He's been accurate. He's made smart decisions. And if you just let him have some comfort in the pocket, it could be a very long day. So the Colts have to have some kind of a pass rush. I'll be very anxious to see. How bold does Gus Bradley get? He's got to get bolder. Does he he play safe? (laughs) Because I think playing safe is going to cost the Colts. Mm -hmm. I think you got to go after Stroud. Uh, You got to trust some one-on-one matchups. It's probably not the best thing for the Colts who aren't great at corner, but I don't think you have a choice because Stroud has been so accurate that uh, against a zone coverage, he'll find the right guy and he'll deliver the ball accurately if he's got time and space in the pocket. And uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. And, of course, for the Colts, I think they're going to want to run the football and mm-hmm. uh, and see if they can get their running game going to take the pressure off the uh, <laughs> the quarterback. Did, did you happen to see the video with uh, Max Crosby? No, I from didn't. the Raiders, no. he had a uh, he had an expression for Gardner Minshew. I'll, I'll just say that, and I think it might be a Colts Colts Twitter if you want to go look it up. <laughs> I can't repeat the phrase he no. had for Gardner Minshew, but every time he got near him or te- or you know knocked him down, he had a a little phrase that he gave to to Minshew, and uh, Minshew had a, had the last laugh on the sideline. But it's a cute little video if you want to check that out. Uh, Caitlin Clark, oh my. Woo. Uh, what can't she do? I don't know. You're going to have to go through a long list to oh, figure that Fever out. Oh, the Fever would be so disappointed if she decides to play another year of college basketball. If she does, then just have another oh, terrible year, Fever. Gosh. Oh, I know. <laughs> just tank another time. Yep, tank again. Uh, you know, the Fever won the lottery. They've got the number one pick in the WNBA draft. And if Caitlin Clark does end her career at Iowa, that means that uh, the Indiana Fever are going to draft her with the number one overall pick. And last night, if you missed it, against Michigan State, game was tied, final seconds. Uh, with about two seconds left, they got the ball into the hands of Caitlin Clark, almost between the two circles, top of the key and the center circle. And she took a step back three from roughly 30, 31 feet. It was far out there. Drano at the buzzer. Oh, the net swish was so pure. Oh, it was, yeah. I mean, it was perfect. And uh, and delighted, of course, it was at Iowa. Oh, delighted the crowd. Big celebration. But Caitlin Clark uh, delivers again in the clutch. Big win for Iowa last night. Is... Is Caitlin Clark a first-teamer all-time in women's college basketball? I I say yes. I'm not going to go as far as to say, is Caitlin Clark the best women's college basketball player of all time? Because, you know, you can go through and and there's there's a lot of good ones over the years. But, um, you know, uh, um, Cheryl Miller is one that comes to mind. Did you uh, ever hear the story? I just heard this. I saw the video. It was pretty funny. 
So Reggie Miller was telling the story about he and Cheryl and their competitiveness as they grew up. Cheryl was, I think, a couple of years older than Reggie. But when they were growing up, Reggie uh, had his varsity basketball game. And, uh, man, he, he put on a show, put up 40 points. And, you know, he I, I don't know if he was a freshman, sophomore, but it was one of his first varsity basketball games. And he was so excited about it. And his sister was playing the same night. So... He gets in the car, they go pick up the sister, and of course Reggie just can't wait to share it with his sister the kind of night he had. And he was so proud, and he's telling her, um, you know, hey, uh, you hear about my game? No, how'd you do? Uh, yeah, I had a pretty good game, and, uh, you know, ended up with, with 40 points. <laughs> like, wow, Reggie, that's really special. That's a fantastic night. And so Reggie's like, yeah, uh, so how'd you do? And, uh, oh, it, it was, we did pretty well. She had 105 points that night. Oh, man. 105. <laughs> He's all proud of his 40. She put up 105, setting a high school scoring record. Yeah. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. Don't forget to text us the word Raiders to pick up the four-pack tickets to go to the suites on uh, Saturday, as the Mastodons take on the Wright State Raiders out of Dayton. Mastodons actually get this week off because they have a bye round in their Horizon League schedule. So everybody in the Horizon League is going to be playing a game on Wednesday, Thursday of this week. But the Mastodons do not have the weeknight game, which actually works out pretty nice because of the holiday. They're playing the games on Thursday. Wright State is going to have to play Cleveland State, a really tough opponent, at home on Thursday night, and then turn around, get to Fort Wayne the next day, and play an afternoon game. So in less than 48 hours, they're going to have to come back play a second game where the Dons have had five or six days of rest. So hopefully that's a good thing. It should be a good thing. We'll find out Saturday at about 3 o'clock whether it was a good thing. But, uh, but yeah, you can go to the game because we've got four tickets. You just have to text Raiders to 46862. Raiders. The 46862, and one of our entries will be selected to win the four tickets just prior to the end of the show. We take a time out. Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files joins us next. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Do have to give you this special programming note coming up on Friday night. The Purdue-Illinois game is going to be a special broadcast on WoWo 92.3 FM. So if you're tuning in here expecting to hear Purdue, Illinois, you're going to have to make a quick push of the button and go to 92.3 FM pregame 730 tip at 830 on Friday night. We will have high school basketball with Northside at Wayne here on uh, 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM, our high school basketball game of the week presented by PSM. And then our uh, Parkview Sports Medicine postgame show comes to you live from the Wayndale Pizza Hut up until 10.30, Adam Dute and I will be there giving you scores, highlights, coaches, interviews, and more to wrap up your Friday night of high school basketball. Text Raiders to 46862 if you want those Mastodons tickets for Saturday's game against Wright State. That's Raiders to 46862. All right, time to talk to Pacers basketball. It's been kind of an exciting week for the Pacers as they welcome in 2024 on a bit of a hot streak, including a nice come-from-behind win over the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee, 
snapped a long win streak, 15 in a row for the Bucks at home. Trying to keep track of these win streaks that are being snapped because uh, last night Purdue knocked, uh, snapped the 19 straight home uh, home court winning streak for Maryland, and uh, the night before Pacers wiped out the 15 game streak for the Milwaukee Bucks. Joining us to talk Pacers basketball. Uh, if you haven't got a subscription to Fieldhouse Files, that's the place where you get the most insightful Pacers information. And it is the editor-in-chief, owner, and uh, CEO of Fieldhouse Files. I'm giving him all kinds of titles. It's Scott Agnes. Hey, Scott, how are you? <laughs> Good afternoon, Brad. I'm well. How about you? Have you uh, officially got those titles, or am I just adding? Am I piling on? Eh. When you run your own business, you can <laughs> make up whatever title you want. That's right. Your I'm just... editor, your owner, your CEO, your reporter. Yeah, you're all of them. You're everything. Yeah, it's a it's a major package, but it's uh, always great stuff. You're right on top of. It. In fact, I just saw uh, that you posted about the Mad Ants. Tom Hankins being G League Coach of the Month for December. You know, I was talking to somebody last night, and the G League is so messed up with the way they're putting this schedule together. And the fact that you play, what, your first 15, 16 games, and all it means is seeding for the showcase, and then the season starts at 0-0, so whatever you did in the first third of the season means nothing from here on out. I don't like it. What What are your thoughts? I think it's way too complicated. As someone who follows the league and is at most home games, I can't completely accurately explain the different seasons. We saw the same issue I think in the WNBA, I think they've cleaned it up entering this upcoming season. And I thought the NBA has had the best of all this, having kind of different records, but the games mattering, right, we had with mm-hmm. the season tournament. That took a while. It, there was a learning curve, and there still will be one. The fact that those games all mattered except for the last one to the record. And why does that make sense, right? Like, why should the stats and that record not go against your record, that championship game between Pacers and Lakers? But to your point, yeah, I, it, it does not make sense. To me, you sh- it should be the entire uh, product of what your team accomplished this season, not just a month, just not like a showcase portion. Uh, I'm not a fan of that as well. Well, and the other thing, it's only a 50-game season, and so when you take 16 or 17 games, you wipe them out. You've only got 30-some games to decide your playoff positioning. You know, you get cold or maybe a couple of guys get called up. We're going to have those 10-day contracts coming up. Um, it just seems like you could cost yourself a playoff spot, but overall might have one of the top two or three records in the league. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what they're trying to accomplish by it, other than perhaps maybe breaking the, the season into two segments, right? Like one before the showcase and one after. But to me, now calling it the regular season, I'm like, all right, so what was the last two months? So those don't matter? Like, <laughs> yeah. what are we doing here? I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. All right, let's talk Pacers basketball. And the Pacers, uh, well, we've certainly seen their ups and downs. It seemed like it took a little time for them kind of to recover from that in-season tournament. Um, but now they're they're playing really good basketball. They're, they Overall, I guess, their health is good. Uh, we saw Nebhard go down the other night at uh, Milwaukee. Actually, you know, that worked out pretty well for the Pacers. You, you hate injuries. You hate to see somebody have to leave a basketball game. But uh, T.J. McConnell ended up being super down the stretch for the Pacers as they come back and get a big win against Milwaukee. Man, every team needs a T.J. McConnell, don't they? That's why, Brett, I don't understand why certain games will just get a, a DNP coach's decision, did not play. And I'm like, hold on, I, I think you can carve out 10 minutes, 15 minutes per game 
for someone who impacts the game as he does, doing the little things, Mm -hmm. brings consistent energy, changes things up defensively, is kind of a pesk, uh, you know, uh, on the defensive end and often will get at least one steal per game on the inbounds pass. There is room for that on every single team. So uh, I think there's other games where he can show up more uh, and have more of an impact, much like that Bucks game. But it wasn't all too surprising. Uh, there was a game, I think it was last year, where he had one of his best games of the season scoring in Milwaukee. And so that's one thing I think the Pacers went back to. Uh, it got funny late in the game, quite honestly, Brett, is uh, in an NBA game with Giannis, with uh, Damian Lillard, with Tyrese Halliburton, the Pacers were calling T.J. McConnell's number to attack his man <laughs> one-on-one several plays in a row, and it worked. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because it puts great pressure on the defense because you can tell the defense is never really sure what he's up to because it's not like on the scout. He just kind of <laughs> comes up with his own little uh, moves and spins and, and takes it baseline, takes it down the lane and circles back out. I mean, you never really know, number one, when a shot is going to go up and number two, when he passes, which direction he's going to pass it to because I think he's got a 360-degree vision. He's fun to watch. And... uh you know, I understand the liability you might have in certain situations mm-hmm. at the other end, but it he you know, he's he's a fun guy to have out there. But another guy that's pretty fun to have out there, Scott, we gotta talk about Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, he is a difference maker. He's putting up just insane numbers. And I, I kind of wonder I'm not as close to it as you are, but I kind of feel like he should be near the top of the discussion as far as MVP, even at this point in the season. Are there talks like that out there, and is he being included? Brett, I was, it's interesting you asked that. I was part of a, about a 100-member media poll, unofficial kind of thing, just to kind of get the pulse of reporters across the league, done by Tim Bontemps of ESPN. And I think in that final result, Halliburton finished something like 8th or ninth, which shows, hey, we recognize what he's doing. Uh, it's been remarkable. Um, but I think the number one thing that goes into this is team success, right? And the Pacers especially at that time, we're about 500. Right now, thanks to this win streak, now they're back four games above 500. But I don't think it'll be realistic because I don't think it's realistic that the Pacers will be much of a threat in the postseason and in the playoffs. They, they might be just on the inside of it. But oftentimes, I mean, you're probably talking about it right now in the NFL. Where do you turn? Probably the best quarterback on the best team, which might be Lamar Jackson right now, right? And so for the, all those reasons... Tyrese is understandably in the conversation, but I don't think he'll finish in the top five. O.J. Ananobi finally got traded by Toronto, and he ends up going to the New York Knicks. Were the Pacers involved in talks, or did they back off that deal? I think the Pacers were always interested in him, but they were more focused on Pascal Siakam. The guy, remember, I wrote about him in July Mm -hmm. while in Vegas at Summer League. The Pacers have uh, been enamored with him for quite a while now. Uh, both of them, to be sure. I think they made calls to Toronto at the trade deadline last year to see what it might cost to get both uh, or either OG or Pascal. And ultimately, it was one of those where Raptors uh, executive Masai Ujiri, I think, finally said, all right, you know what, let's do a deal. And all of a sudden, it happened with New York because that's not something you need to take long to consider. You figure out the parameters and you say yes. And that's why the Knicks are shorthanded when they came to Indianapolis because – uh, the players involved in that deal were, uh, you know, had to sit out. But I think there was interest in OG, but they are more locked in on trying to acquire Pascal Siakam here, who's also 
going to be entering a contract here, which makes things very interesting. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about this uh, matchup with Milwaukee. It's the second one in three days after uh, the Pacers got that win in Milwaukee. It's the third time in, what, two weeks? And it seems like for a number of reasons, the in-season tournament, the uh, the ball game where uh, literally ball game where uh, Giannis had to chase down the game ball game. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then the ending of the uh, home court winning streak. Where's this at as far as a rivalry goes? Has this become a bona fide rivalry? No, I can't get there. They haven't met in the postseason. They haven't met in meaningful games. Um, I, I, to me, I think of a rivalry. I think of IU Purdue. I think of Colts Patriots back in the day, right when Brady and Manning were trading off wins, and the Patriots won a couple Super Bowls, and the Colts won one. That's when it really matters. I think right now you, you just have uh, two teams that are playing now for the fifth time in, what, 31 games? Like, that's bizarre, <laughs> quite honestly. They faced each other enough. On top of that, you got so many storylines, as you mentioned. Um, another one, of course, being that this is Tyrese Halliburton's hometown team. So it means a little bit more. He, he's got a lot more fans when he goes back to Milwaukee. And the fact that the Bucks had owned this series for the past five years, winning something like 18 of 19 games. And so the Pacers have made it relevant. They're no longer a pushover in this matchup like they used to be, losing by like an average of 17 points per game. Um, but I cannot quite get to, to rivalry, not until it matters in the playoffs. What's important for the Pacers to have success against Milwaukee? Well, how, normally you would say some good outside shooting, but the Pacers proved that to not be <laughs> – the case the other night, and that was stunning, quite honestly. Brett really rough night for Hill. Season low with, yeah, matched their season low with five three-pointers and still won. Um, but the winning method here is, I think, you got more uh, contributions from your bench. It was incredible. They utterly dominated the game when the starters were not at their best. Um, but more so, I look inside. They won the rebounding battle. They won the points in the paint. Versus, whereas the Bucks have the season record on the Pacers. Uh, in terms of points in the paint. Remember, Giannis kind of basically lived in the paint the last two meetings ago when he scored a franchise record 64 points against the Pacers. Now, we saw the, the Pacers defend him much differently and um, keep him out of the lane more so and actually you know, provide a, a wall of defense a little bit uh, versus taking him one-on-one. And that's into the larger picture here, Brett. That's uh, what the Pacers are trying to do more in general. They've they made some tweaks to their defense at their rare practice a couple weeks ago, and since that time, they've been average defensively, which is exactly what we've been calling on them to be. They just couldn't be horrible, awful. Uh, it, you know, they needed to be respectable and average. They have, and that's in large part why they've won the last four games. Should be fun tonight down at Cambridge Fieldhouse, Pacers, Bucks, and we'll have it for you here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Scott, always appreciate you jumping on and enjoy what you write with the Fieldhouse Files. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. Yep, that is Scott Agnes joining us here on the Sports Rush. Once again, you can win tickets to go see the Macedons take on the Wright State Raiders. That game coming up Saturday at 1 o'clock at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. We've got a four-pack of tickets. That's right, four tickets to spend in the suite, S-U-I-T-E. Uh, that is Saturday, 1 o'clock. If you'd like to win the four-pack, all you have to do is text Raiders to 46862. One random entry is going to win this four-pack of tickets. Uh, and I'm trying to see because I think 
Yeah, we've got more tickets that we're going to give away tomorrow as well. Another four-pack tomorrow with Caitlin and Kenny in the morning. Another four-pack with us. Let's but, do it. But uh, you know what? You don't have to worry about all that if you win these tickets. You've got yourself set. So go ahead and text Raiders to 46862. You could be a winner today with the Sports Rush. Still coming up in hour number two, we're going to talk Colts football with the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He'll be on about 520. This is your Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.